Chris, please take us through your understanding of why those of us will vote for a third-party candidate today or why the Democrats and Republicans will not. And the argument that we hear constantly, even yesterday on the radio, which is fine, we, we respect all opinions, having a forum where, well, it might be the lesser of two evils, but anything is better than Romney. So I, I'm going to vote for uh, Obama. And then I just reminded the person, here's what you're voting for. Here's what he did. Now, do you think by voting for him, any of that will change or will it just get more of the National Defense Authorization Act and Patriot policies and surveillance on Americans, etc.? And um, and his concern was just, well, we don't want a, another member of the Supreme Court being conservative. And I said, there's a whole lot more going wrong in America, in the world, than what the Supreme Court has to deal with. Your thoughts on these? Take your time. The form is yours. Well, on all of the major structural issues, there is no difference. Uh, and because of that, we are, as you said at the top of the show, facing... Uh, such catastrophic assaults on the ecosystem uh, that within a few decades or less, uh, the survival of the human species is at stake. Uh, The financiers on Wall Street uh, under Obama uh, have uh, once again, of course, after looting the U.S. Treasury, engaged in the speculative crimes uh, that created the first uh, global meltdown and is now destined inevitably to create a second because there is no regulation, there is no check. Um, The expansion of imperial wars, the assault on civil liberties, which of course has been worse under Barack Obama than under his predecessor, George W. Bush, all of this remains unchanged. And I think we get caught up in the personal narratives of the candidates distracted by those personal narratives without understanding that uh, the engine of corporate power remains untouched, no matter who's in the office. Uh, The personal narratives of a George Bush uh, and the personal narrative of a Barack Obama uh, are very different. They're very different figures. Uh, And yet there's utter continuity uh, on all of the issues that count. Uh, Now, people will pick up tangential social issues, issues I support, whether that's gay marriage, uh, whether that's a woman's right to choose. uh, But, you know, I wish that we had the luxury uh, of uh, saying that those issues uh, were the most important facing us. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we can't we can't talk about a woman's right to choose when tens and hundreds of millions of people begin to die in droughts and famine. Um, We are on track uh, now to uh, thrust the planet upwards by six degrees Celsius. Um, We are already, even if we stopped all carbon emissions today, uh, going to raise the planet by one or two degrees. Uh, We saw what happened in New York, uh, and you're right, that's just a taste. I mean, this is the new normal, uh, although you wouldn't know that from the corporate media. Uh, Or the political candidates who, uh, you know, even in the face of Hurricane Sandy, refused to talk about the most pressing issue uh, facing us. And that's, of course, uh, the the degradation of the ecosystem. I mean, we watched this summer 40 percent of the summer Arctic sea ice melt. 
and the response uh, of corporate power is to go up with huge tankers and ships and mine the last vestiges of fish and oil and natural gas. Uh, uh, it, it's in, it's insane. It's as if you know it makes Herman Melville's Moby Dick the most prescient study of the American character because we're all in the Pequod. Uh, Ahab's in charge, uh, and as Ahab said, my my means and my methods are sane. Only my object is mad. Um, and there is nothing now within the formal mechanisms of power with either party uh, that's going to put a stop to us. Uh, in the name of greed and short-term profit, um, these people are going to plunge us over the cliff. Uh, and we don't have any time left. Uh, so when we begin to talk about the lesser of two evils, um, I share many people's distaste for Romney, of course. Uh, just as I found George W. Bush a more distasteful political figure than Obama. Uh, and yet, you know, once you turn away from the $2.5 billion in propaganda that these two parties have put out, uh, the fact is, um, on all of the issues that count, uh, corporate power it determines our relationship to uh, the global economy, it determines our relationship to the ecosystem. Uh, it determines our relationship to the expansion of imperial power. Uh, and, and, and these people know what's coming, uh, and they're preparing for it. And that's why they are pushing through. Uh, and under Obama, he has been far more egregious than, than Bush, as I said before, pushing through measures that, in essence, criminalize all forms of dissent. Uh, as many of your listeners know, when Obama signed into law the National Defense Authorization Act, Section 1021, which permits the U.S. military to carry out domestic policing on American soil, to seize American citizens, hold them without due process, in indefinite detention, including in our offshore penal colonies. I sued the president, um, uh, was later joined by others, including Noam Chomsky and uh, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, we won in uh, federal court in the Southern District Court in New York in September. Judge Catherine Forrest uh, issued a permanent injunction. And the reaction of the Obama administration, uh, and by the way, in her 112-page opinion, which is really worth reading, um, she brings up the, the, the specter of the 110,000 Japanese Americans who were detained in internment camps and again stripped of due process as essentially creating this law, Section 1021, creating that kind of a precedent. What was the response of the Obama administration? Um, they demanded an emergency stay, which means put the law back in force until they can appeal it, they can get a decision in the appellate court. Judge Forrest refused. That was Friday afternoon, late Friday night. Uh, they went to the appellate court and demanded emergency hearing for a stay uh, the next Monday at 9 a.m., which they got. Now, we were surprised. The lawyers, Carl Mayer and Bruce Afron and myself, were surprised. We knew they'd appeal but at how aggressive they were. And that can really only mean one thing, and that is that they're already using the law. Uh, probably uh, my guess is on, you know, U.S., dual U.S.-Pakistani nationals held in places like Bagram, uh, because if the injunction was allowed to stand and they were holding uh, U.S. Uh, citizens in military facilities without access to due process, they would be in contempt of court. The appellate court unfortunately granted the Obama administration the stay. 
Uh, and now uh, we are we should hear by the first week of January uh, the decision by the appellate court on the appeal. Um, you know, it, it's far more important to look at what these people do. Uh, rather than what they say, uh, the, the systems of propaganda in this system in this country uh, have become so sophisticated. Uh, they're very good at, at, and that's why they're constantly taking our polls, constantly doing polls, constantly doing focus groups. They know what we want to hear. Uh, they know how to make us confuse how we are made to feel with knowledge. That's what skillful public relations does. We are a society utterly awash in lies. And the inability to step back, to break free from these electronic hallucinations and understand what's happening to us, the engines of corporate power, makes it very difficult for us to resist. And I will be voting for Jill Stein this afternoon, uh, not because Jill Stein's going to win. It's the same reason I voted, and you did too, Gary, for Ralph Nader in 2008, 2004, and 2002, is because... Uh, we have to begin to register in every way possible our protest uh, and, and our defiance. Um, and of course, going in and voting is actually a very minor act. Uh, I think it's 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 uh, creating movements, uh, engaging in acts of civil disobedience, which I do frequently and did with uh, many of the Occupy Wall Street people down in Zuccotti. Uh, that's our only hope left. Um, uh, and uh, I think that in many ways uh, agreeing to participate in this political charade, in this political theater, um, is legitimating a system that uh, no longer, in my mind, has any democratic legitimacy at all. I appreciate those insights. I just have two more areas, to, uh, if you would address, please. Now, one may seem uh, a little absurd, but... Uh, I'd like the people in this audience to at least consider this. When it came to rallying the liberal base or the conservative base uh, to support things like closing down Indian Point nuclear facilities and all around the country and to stop gas hydrofracking and to really support an understanding of what green technology is versus labeling nuclear green when it's not, labeling clean coal green when it is not, and then going after uh, Wall Street by holding demonstrations at specific uh, locations and then in Washington the same way as you remember we did at, at Bank America that day, right. Chris. And we were there, and 1,200 people in the audience were there. I have been told repeatedly, including people associated with The Nation magazine and with this radio station, with others, well, you know, uh, we realize it is, it is an ideal uh, but uh, if you go too far out on that limb of being critical of this president, all doors will close to you. And all the top uh, Democratic donors and all the top Democratic um, activists, they know that there is a line that you do not cross in being critical of this administration or anything it's doing, or you are persona non grata, and then they give some examples. So I have a lot of respect for what The Nation magazine has done historically and on many issues. It has been a beacon on this issue, however, I feel that it has taken the wrong position. It had all endorsements for Obama, didn't even give an opportunity for the third-party candidates to show individually, but more importantly, Chris, here's my second point, collectively. Yes, we're going to lose this, the third party, but what if after this we get all the good third-party people, bring back in 
uh, Kucinich and and uh, and uh, Ralph Nader and and for and all the other people, Jill Stein, Rock Anderson. There are at least twenty of them, and create a more of a people's movement for the next round. At least we will have platforms. We will have articulated positions. We will have differentiated what we are. Also, and my last point is this. We have had virtually no anti-war movement on a democratic level. We have no major movement to stand up against uh, the invasion of our constitutional liberties and taking away habeas corpus, etc., uh, under this administration, because the Democrats who historically would have been the first out there to oppose these things, including the largest immigration movement in American history, uh, we had under when Bush was in office. We have not had that now. In fact, this president is, has j- arrested and jailed and deported more illegal aliens, 1.5 million, than any other administration uh, in history. So I believe that if Romney, and this is what may sound quirky, if Romney is elected, I believe that we could have three things happen. One, that those on the left who were swallowing the bitter pill will now no longer have any any ideology to defend, and therefore their real concern will come forth so we could see the rebirth of a new intellectual uh, intellectual culture in the United States instead of the current anti-intellectualism. I believe that Americans are acting much like those in Rome did in the waning years, uh, where it was all anti-intellectualism. I believe that we will also see people, American, great American intellects and scholars like Morris Berman, for example, and uh, who, uh, from his first book of his American trilogy, The Twilight of American Culture, where he speaks of the need for preservation of critical thought and deep intelligentsia with a spiritual frame. That's exactly what you and others have been doing for a time, but you've been excluded because the core democratic principles, the core liberal principles had to exclude this or they would have alienated themselves from being a part of this Obama uh, configuration. So I see that we'll have a new anti-war movement, a new peace movement, a new effort to regain our constitutional powers, but not if Obama's reelected. Would you address these, please? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, the argument is made and is correct that that Obama makes things worse because he disempowers uh, elements who give him the benefit of the doubt, who under a Republican administration would be out in the street. Um, I mean, this is it's not uh, uh, unique to Obama. The anti-war movement committed collective suicide in 2004 when it decided to call off its demonstrations to support John Kerry. Uh, who then went around and tried to out Bush Bush in terms of, you know, reporting for duty, and he wouldn't have withdrawn from Fallujah and on and on and on. Uh, and I think that, you know, we've forgotten uh, how power works. Uh, it, 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 it works by creating movements that pressure uh, the center, uh, that hold fast to these issues. It's not our job. Uh, those of us who care about uh, democratic equality and justice to take power, uh, uh, I think we we fail to understand that throughout American history, it is primarily not only through movements but third parties that have always operated outside the mainstream uh, that we've built uh, the uh, kind of social uh, justice issue and and challenged uh, disenfranchisement. Uh, uh, you know, whether it was the Liberty Party that that fought slavery, whether it was the Prohibition and socialist parties who joined with the suffragists uh, to fight for a uh, woman's right to vote in the 19th Amendment, whether it was the uh, Socialist Party and the radical labor unions 
that organized to abolish child labor uh, and make the 40-hour work week possible, uh, whether it was the Populist Party, uh, which gave us the Immigration Act of 1924, along with a progressive tax system. Uh, you know, all, all of these movements have largely been erased uh, from uh, history books, including the, communi- the role of the Communist Party, uh, in the early part of the 19th century, very important role. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of the great white man theory of history. Uh, the fact is, uh, Roosevelt was pressured uh, into giving us the Social Security Act of 1935 because there were powerful socialist movements uh, within this country. And, and, and without those movements, that kind of legislation is never possible. Uh, and we have to recapture that kind of power. We have to rebuild, as you said, those kind of movements. Uh, and so many movements, including MoveOn.org, uh, have just been uh, taken hostage by the Democratic Party establishment for all the reasons you said. Uh, you know, they would meet uh, uh, every week uh, in Washington uh, during the health care debate, for instance, with MoveOn officials, uh, and they would bring along their donors, uh, the Democratic establishment. Uh, and they knew very well that their funding would dry up. Uh, if they didn't uh, chant the democratic line. So move on, for instance, became a very obstructive force uh, in the whole issue to save the public option, which we now cynic- know Obama cynically uh, sold us out on, uh, you know, before the whole debate began. So, yeah, it, it's uh, – and look, I mean, we, we don't have any time left. I mean, you know, to be quite honest, reading climate change reports, it may already be too late. Uh, but to somehow remain passive uh, under an administration that shredded Kyoto, uh, it, it, to somehow remain passive uh, under a president that now drills, uh, you know, in off the Florida coast, off the East Coast, off Alaska. I mean, all the the drilling sites that Sarah Palin, uh, you know, wanted uh, exploited when she uh, was running with McCain. Um, she got them. She got them all under Obama. Uh, but the civil liberties issue for me is quite terrifying because, uh, you know, if you give central authority this kind of control, they'll use it. And uh, we are just, you know, we are going to be so cornered even before we begin. Of course, we're already the most monitored, wiretapped, uh, observed, uh, photographed uh, population in, in human history. I mean, dwarfing even the Stasi state, which... I covered. I covered the fall of uh, East Germany, uh, and that was the FISA Amendment Act, uh, supported by Obama. Warrantless wiretapping, eavesdropping, and monitoring of tens of millions of American citizens, and all of our information are stored out in supercomputers in Utah. So, um, you know, this uh, you, you got to hand it to the public relations industry. Uh, on the one hand, they're truly evil. On the other hand, they're very effective. Uh, and and they have mesmerized uh, you know whole segments of the society, including the liberal intelligentsia, who should know better, uh, into in essence supporting a system that uh, uh, you know means their own enslavement. Chris, I appreciate what you have to say today. Um, my takeaway message from what you're saying is that we must join together to revive an appreciation for intellectual inquiry, not just in enlightened thinking, but also arts, history, humanities, uh, to give a moral and ethical framework to restore the better qualities of Western culture that so many hundreds of thousands of great thinkers in our society and elsewhere have been holding back because they haven't had 
a cooperative form to work with. And now after this election, I believe it's time for us all to work together, leave the egos at the door, and work for the common good of all people. And you're certainly uh, one of the major architects. And not always, uh, always a gift to have you on, and we thank you, and this is always a form for you to use when you need to. Thank you, Gary.